0: hey everyone welcome to another episode of moss and friends in today's episode we chat with kat pluff of get only about her venture to creating sustainable period products that are delivered right to your doorstep think dollar shave club but for tampons kat was on her way to becoming an industry-changing olympian when she succumbed to her injuries and started down this exciting new path we hope you enjoy
1: Welcome back to another episode of Moss and Friends. We are so excited to be here with Kat Pluff, the co-founder and CEO of a women's health startup based in Canada called Get Only. Uh, Welcome, Kat. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and uh, sort of how we we got connected through LinkedIn, but we've sort of had an eye on you and and your work that you've been doing for a little while and, and just kind of where you're at, how you got here, all the fun stuff?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I'm the, as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder and we lovingly like to call me the chief everything officer. Uh, so I wear quite a few hats with uh, this company, but my main role is to kind of coordinate all the third parties involved in growing this company from you know SEO specialists to community builders, to all our social media, making sure all our regulatory is sound, all the logistics are good. I Also kind of delve into accounting, raise money, apply for grants, all that good stuff. But I actually got here with a, a degree in cultural anthropology, so I have no true business background. I barely knew what entrepreneurship was until I kind of snowballed my way into it. It's kind of a happy accident, but it just kind of shows that anyone can do it. If, if they put their mind to it, you don't need some fancy business degree or anything. You just got to keep solving problems and eventually you'll, you'll get there. Amazing. And um, can you just give us
1: a little bit of a brief history on the company and yourself Mm -hmm. and how you got here? And and then we can dive a little bit more into what you're doing and and recent updates on the company. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I started this company, it's it's been a long journey. So it started in June of 2015. So I recently graduated from university, as I mentioned, with a degree in cultural anthropology. And like some good business ideas. This one fell on my head at at a bar. I was sitting at a bar and we were kind of, I was with some friends and we were talking about a recent company that just came out that was delivering razors to people's doors. You might know it as Dollar Shave Club. And I just kind of had that light bulb moment at that time. I was like, why isn't anybody delivering me my tampons? Like I certainly need those every month. So I ended up going home. I went online. I think I went on like Alibaba or something, just trying to find bulk tampons for sale that I could deliver across Canada. That was my very simple um, thought at the time. And I kept reading the word rayon in the fine print of all these Alibaba offerings. And I'm like, what the heck is rayon? Um, so it turns out that rayon is the primary ingredient in all the big brands that we know on store shelves from like Tampax to Kotex to Playtex. It's actually a synthetic material. It's not cotton, which I always thought it was. It looks and feels like cotton. So I'm like, what? what is this? Um, so it's a bit of a dirty industry. It's a it's, it comes from trees that are cut down and processed in in tons of toxic chemicals until it turns into that soft cotton looking tampon. So I, I was like, where are the cotton options? Like that's always what I thought I was using. So it turns out they're a little bit hard to find. Um, so from there we, spent the next two years actually designing and patenting our own tampon applicator just so we could use the materials that we wanted which at the time was organic cotton and bioplastics so me and my team we printed like two three foot stacks of all the patents out there everything you can think of on the tampon is patented from like the barrel to the plunger to the shape of the pedals like everything so eventually after two years we came up with a unique design I like to call it the tesla of tampons i still i still love it it's, it was a great design but uh turns out we couldn't find a manufacturer to make the darn thing um, nobody wanted to take us on just because canada's a relatively small market and they didn't want to change over all their equipment and, and molds and dyes and everything just to get our small purchase order of this unique tampon applicator so we're like well damn (laughs) Um, that was a lot of money spent and and many sleepless nights coming up with this design so we almost folded at that point Uh, but then we're, we're like let's just try something else we already have like great team chemistry like we know how each other works let's just think of something else to do give that a shot so we're like why don't we just find a manufacturer that's making a line of period products that we love and that we stand behind and we could sell across Canada as an e-commerce business. So there's about three organic cotton tampon manufacturers in the world that we know of. Um, we approached all three of them and they all said no. <laughs> Again, it was the same kind of rhetoric that Canada's too small, like they don't want to get involved, like there's so much regulatory stuff around tampons in Canada, because unlike the rest of the world, Canada considers tampons a class two medical device. Um, So there's tons of regulatory red tape to to get them into the country, probably get to that later. But there was one manufacturer that stood out to us the most. Um, They were in Spain, about two hours north of where one of my business partners had spent some of his early 20s. So he kind of knew the area a little bit. So we're like, listen, like, we're flying down there, just give us a shot, like, listen to us. Uh, we're coming on our own dime. So anyway, my team and I, we packed up our bags, we flew to Spain, we rented a little beat up car and did a practice two hour drive up to the manufacturing facility the night before and uh, eventually got there the next day and had the meeting of our life and it's probably honestly like a 10 hour meeting in a boardroom, just going over everything. And I guess they liked us enough to continue the conversation. Um, so from there, it was another about three years working with them to get them all like up to par with Health Canada standards and, and how we like to track things. So their facility had to get audited by a third party. Um, they failed their first audit just due to uh, outdated software for like tracking their inventory or something. It had nothing to do with the product. So then we were pushed back another eight months where they fixed all that software and then they got audited again, they passed. And then we had to get all of their medical devices approved by Health Canada. So the tampons with applicator, the ones without applicator, the menstrual cup and the reusable tampon applicator all had to get their own separate applications to Health Canada. That was about a year and a half of, of back and forth with paperwork. Eventually, it all passed, and then we ordered our first round of inventory. I believe in late August of last year, and it was on a boat. It landed uh, on Canadian shores, I think November third of twenty twenty one, and then we launched two weeks later. And here we are.
1: Oh my goodness, what a journey! I love, I love what you said. Uh, just to kind of go back to this for a second about the fact that you and the team sort of like came up against some roadblocks and sat down and were like, we have a great team here. It sounds like you had a really clear you know, vision and mission sort of underlying the, the different ways that you were trying to achieve that. And I am super curious if you've had any moments throughout this where you've come up against people who they think that, I mean, it sounds like, first of all, Canadian import, export, material, manufacturing sort of structures has been an interesting challenge. Um, I'm sure there's also a lot of questions around whether there's like a market. side. So, I mean, I'll say I, we tend to hear from other female founders that when they approach investors, it's like, well, it's just women, like the market's so small or stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm curious if there's like a sort of three big Areas that you guys have had to sort of like push up against or get creative in um, other than, you know, the manufacturing side of things.
2: Yeah, I I like how you touched on the, you know, typically we'd pitch to to male investors. We have quite a few female ones as well, but I think one interesting thing, especially to the male investors is. Learning how many tampons a girl actually goes through throughout their period. So, for example, I had one investor, you know, said the same thing that you said, like, "Oh, it's too small" or whatnot. He thought he thought a girl used one tampon per period. (laughs) And I was like, "No, no, no!" It was actually wow, wow. (laughs) So, um, very pleasantly surprised that we use, you know, a a dozen or or some women use two dozen a period, and obviously, his eyes light up at that fact. just more opportunity out there. So yeah, we we've, we've had lots of people, a lot of doubters, you know, just d- doubt our capabilities to get this done. This is like a big international relationship we were building, and none of us have experience doing anything like this. Like we were just winging it the whole time, and um, it worked out. But one of my closest advisors, and she's now the chairman of my chairwoman of my board of directors. One of the reasons she came. She became involved was a because we were an extremely persistent team and we eventually got it done and she saw the whole like six-year journey and she loved that but she she was a ceo of like a big pharmaceutical company and a lot of uh like med tech companies like she's just got a amazing resume um but she couldn't believe that we convinced a manufacturer to go through all that auditing and and get everything Health Canada approved because she had tried to do that a few times with a few manufacturers and it never worked. So just the fact that we built that relationship and got that done, like our manufacturer had to spend probably 150,000 euros just to kind of get all of this up to Health Canada standards. Um, Like they even had to bust open like a new entrance in their facility because Health Canada didn't like how, the workers were going in the same door as like the some of the product for example like they, they invested in us heavily they really believed in us so having the support of the chairman of my board just means everything to me she's she's just like I said one of my closest advisors and keeps me sane throughout all this process but yeah we definitely had our fair share of doubters that's for sure it was such a satisfying feeling on launch day
1: <laughs> yeah I can imagine so in terms of how you've built out the team, I think a lot of times we see, you know, founders and founding teams that, that these kinds of startups have, uh, or businesses have um, a lot of personal connection to the issue. And I would imagine you've just given the space that you're working in, you've thought a lot about how you're balancing the short-term vision of, you know, bringing a really high quality product to consumers. And then also the longer term vision around maybe like access or affordability or, you know, different sort of longer term impact that you want to make. And so can you speak a little bit to just who's on the team, how you've kind of come together around this issue and also just that that longer ter- balancing that like longer and short term vision?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, our team's kind of a funny story. <laughs> so my co-founder, Phil Foubert, he was actually my boss at a restaurant. So I was bartending throughout this whole process, bartending, serving uh, for about 10 years. And I, he, he actually opened a restaurant in downtown Ottawa and it was opening weekend at his restaurant and my boyfriend and I, at the time we were walking by, we were trying to find somewhere to eat and this new place popped up and we're like, oh, we'll give it a shot. So turns out it was their opening weekend. I sat down for drinks, Phil, the owner was serving me and it was just hectic. Like, like everyone, they were running out of everything. Like everyone was running around. It was really funny. So I just looked at him like, do you need help? Like you guys need some help and he's like yes (laughs) slams his uh, phone number down on the table he's like call me so anyway I ended up getting the job and I was the one that was opening the restaurant every Monday when all the owners were doing like their weekly kind of You know, summary of activities and what they're going to do next and I'd always like listen in on those conversations as I'm like taking down the bar stools I'm like damn like I want to do that like I want to be making these big decisions for a company. Um, So eventually I started approaching Phil with like some random business ideas and this one stuck, uh, because he used to sell medical devices across the GTA. Um, with like femtech. So he worked, he knows like every gynecologist in and around the GTA and kind of was a bit familiar with the space. So I had kind of like that, that femtech um, medical experience person, uh, which was super relevant, of course, to this company. And then at the time I was uh, dating one of the the first employees at shopify one of the first 100 guys at shopify and uh, he's still my business partner today we're we've broken up but we are still uh, super tight business partners so i was kind of living in this ottawa startup world where shopify was just growing and entrepreneurship and e-commerce was like so trendy and and becoming readily available to like regular people to build beautiful online stores and and sell them so that was a really inspiring time just seeing like Shopify's growth and everything that was really cool and then mm-hmm. so we had the the tech guy and then we had the um, you know the medical kind of sales guy and then I was like okay we need a numbers person <laughs> so uh, uh, Brian he's our, our numbers person it was my first interview ever I interviewed two people and he ended up getting the job I say job but it was an unpaid sweat equity deal <laughs> that he got um, he worked in banks and and just just a super gifted spreadsheet master we call him the freak in the spreadsheets it's um, <laughs> just an awesome person and then eventually I was like hey I need like a girl on this team what's going on here so we ended up uh, talking to a few people that might be interested in just kind of helping I just needed like another woman's ear and touch on the very Female-driven business, so I have a partner Leah who has her PhD in organizational psychology. Um, so she was helping me with a lot with like the branding and stuff. And then we eventually got a gynecologist on our team as well, um, Dr. Ardell Piper. So she's uh, she's also on my board of directors and an investor and business partner. So she, of course, kind of advises on all the medical claims that we uh, that we do and and just makes sure that we're providing total fact and, and no fear mongering like she's she's all about you know we're all about like never trying to make people feel bad for using like tampax or playtex like that's perfectly safe and that's perfectly fine we're just here to provide an alternative that's let's say better for the planet
0: <laughs> i love that um, and I was just kind of like looking, you know, at your site and everything, and I absolutely loved like the reusable uh, applicator. Mm-hmm. Can you like share, like, what was the process of creating that, like that your team kind of went through and iterated on?
2: Yeah. So actually this is all credit and kudos to our, our manufacturer. So to see you over a manufacturing facility, he is an engineer at heart. He, uh, made his own um pad machine in in his uh garage (laughs) when he was in his i think early 20s and eventually kind of like me just snowballed into this huge ordeal so he was actually the the inventor of the reusable applicator and we consulted a lot on the design and the function and everything so i'm going to give him total credit yeah so as as it's in the name. It's a it's a reusable tampon applicator. So it's actually been approved by Health Canada for use up to ten years. Um, so you simply need to get the the little cotton pledget refills and uh, put it inside the reusable tampon applicator. Wash it off with uh, warm water and soap, and you're you're good to go. Um, but yeah, we went through many iterations of the packaging. I think literally we designed about thirty different versions of the packaging with them to be able to sell in, in Canada. And we had to get all that regulatory language and everything. And I'm very proud to say, I think this is the first time I've said it publicly, but we just got recognized by the so- Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada. So it's the SOGC. We got their stamp of approval on the Reusable Tampon Applicator, which is great, um, meaning it's a safe and effective means to to manage your period with. So the first of its kind in Canada, we got the probably the most respectable uh, body of people giving us the thumbs up on it
1: that's huge that's congratulations yeah Thank what a have. what a like milestone given that that seems like that was a huge part of what you're after right is is to make a higher quality product so to be recognized for that it's like huge
2: yeah it's a definitely a dream we've been talking to them for like three years pre-launch we're like oh we're almost launching we're almost ready so it's been a long journey with the SOGC and you know there's always that worry that they're going to find something wrong with it or there's always those doubts and the haters on the internet going like ew like this is gross or this is unsanitary or this can cause infection and that's all getting in my head and worrying me when i know perfectly well it's been like thoroughly reviewed and approved by health canada but now that i've got like gynecologists across Canada saying this is excellent and and safe. It's just, it feels good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like one thing that I love is just kind of like the options that a person uh, would have uh, from like the bundles, tampons, pads, liners, a menstrual cup even. Mm -hmm. And I think like even within your motto, you know, you had mentioned that you don't use the term feminine hygiene products and your team only is very uh, particular about saying period products in a world that, you know, we're used to essentially like growing up, feeling shame around having our periods when it's completely natural and normal, there could a lot lot of times be like difficulty to access these types of products. So like creating like this type of subscription opens doors for a lot of individuals who might not have been able to Get to a shop to purchase these products. Let's say, um, what does the future look like for Get Only? Are you looking to expand to you know other countries, and how have you seen like the impact in terms of like that access uh, to individuals?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's literally our our um, company mission and vision is to create logistically and, and financially accessible way for Canadians to get sustainable period products so that was always our goal is just like like when you're trying to find organic period products they're either really expensive or they're they're really hard to find or then they're in some like niche little grocery store like it's getting a little better but back when i started this it was super hard to find but our our bigger vision for for get only is to expand our product line um we are probably going to stick to canada um we're back and forth on on expanding internationally, but we kind of want to hone in and, and leverage the fact that we're a Canadian brand and um, made by Canadians for Canadians. So we might, we might actually stick to Canada, but I'll never say never. <laughs> um, but our vision is essentially to expand our product line to offer other sustainable bathroom essentials, uh, all delivered to your door. So we never want to offer like luxury items or non-essentials me and, and I guess naturally an extension of me is my company. Uh, we're a bit of an anti-consumerist in a way, like where we re- live by the tagline, like only what you need, nothing you don't like. People just need to stop buying stuff that they don't need just for the health and, and safety of our planet. So, um, you know, we've gotten offers to have like, I don't know, jewelry or vitamins or, or things like that for sale on our website. But we're, we're, tr- we're, we're turning them down and we're just like, no, we just want to do essential goods. And just a little um, a little sneak peek, for example, one of the things or conversations we're having is actually a, um, a pretty eco-friendly line of toilet paper. Uh, so things like that. So, uh, hopefully we can get that done in the next uh, year or so, but I know from this journey, things take time and we'll, we'll definitely focus on the period products, but yeah, our goal is always to offer, like you said, we have a full range, you know, pads, tampons, liners, cups. Uh, we actually have a range of reusable underwear coming out as well very soon. Um, so we're, we're just kind of like, we're there, we've got all your options covered. We have a sustainable option for you. Um, and you can trust us to kind of do the right thing with with every subscription we also donate to end period poverty in Canada Um, and we're also partnered with uh, one percent for the planet to offset all of our carbon emissions and we invest in youth activist groups for environmentalism so we're just trying to do like the right thing at every touch point get people stuff that they actually need. (laughs) I love that so much and I think So I
1: don't know how much I've talked about this on the podcast, but I actually grew up in Vancouver and I went to school in Calgary and I'm pretty familiar with sort of the relationship that I think Canada has with its own sort of companies and products. People are really, really proud of anything that is like kind of created and distributed and, you know, just like even imagined in Canada from like a startup Mm -hmm. perspective. So when you're talking about Shopify, um, I think that was like a really interesting sort of cultural moment. Like, you know, the Canadian startup landscape is, is definitely not anything close to or similar to uh, what goes on in the US. It's just a totally different beast. And um, it's really cool to, to sort of trace back so many threads with people that we've worked with and had conversations with in the past, back to the sort of entrepreneurs that were really drawn to, you know, Shopify in the early community and, and this sort of the this, this space there. So I love that there's kind of like those connections too. And I, I love your story. I love the fact that you, you know, you watched other people run businesses. Like I think not all entrepreneurs come into this sort of world being like, I want to make these decisions. A lot of people I think are like, I want to provide a solution to this problem or the best service, or I want to, you know, build something big, or I want to have an impact here. It's like, it's cool to me that, you know, being uh, a decision maker was like an, an attractive uh, aspect of this. And I'm, I'm really curious, like a a lot of um, one of my favorite podcasts, actually I'll shout out. Um, is called Heroin, and they talk a lot about like who you were as a little kid and how that translates into the person that you've become as an entrepreneur. And I'm super curious if you've had time to reflect and look back at um, the sort of like the longer term journey that's led you here and if there's any kind of insights you want to share.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, I've always been definitely like a, a tryhard in, in school. I was, you know, like a straight A, stu- straight a student and um, just really always tried to do the right thing. I hated getting in trouble. Like you, if I got like a B plus on an essay, I'd, I'd be the one, the first one crying in the back. Like I was just like always trying to do the right thing. Um, and actually, uh, now that I'm thinking of it, one of my one of my main goals and I, I came up with this in university I was writing a paper on why women can't body check in hockey. Um, I'm a, I was grew, grew up as a hockey player. Uh, I played hockey for about 20 years and can't we can't body check uh, like like the guys can without getting a five minute major penalty and I'm like why why is that? So anyway I ended up writing my fourth year thesis on on that and my goal, in life was always <laughs> to get to a position of power where I can make that change. Like I, I always wanted to be in a conversation with decision makers who could potentially allow body checking and women's hockey. So for my early 20s, I was actually trying out for or I was training for the Olympics, just so I could be an Olympic athlete and potentially have like a voice in the sports community. But silly me, I tried out for, I don't know if you've ever heard of Red Bull crash dice where you're going. Very fast down an icy hill. On oh, a...
1: yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. So. Deeply Canadian references. I don't know if <laughs> they've done any
2: other country, maybe like Sweden or something,
1: but yeah. that is, that's hilarious.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like months out from moving to Calgary to, to train um, or hopefully, ideally, train to become an Olympic athlete. And I tried out for a Red Bull crash dice, fell on my tailbone, had a tailbone inj- injury, reevaluated my whole life. I had to stop skating and playing sports for about half a year. Um, and in, in that time frame, that's when I came up with this business, which was really interesting. So I think I would have been on a totally different path if I never got that tailbone inju- uh, injury, Um, so wow. it still is, uh, yeah, I, I actually forgot about that till right now. So thank you for asking. Well, shout out yeah. to
1: Red Bull. Red Bull, if you're out there and you are included <laughs> in this round of fundraising, I think there's a really easy connection there. You should <laughs> definitely reach out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But- what a, what a beautiful, like full circle moment. I think that's also something that we've sort of seen in a lot of the entrepreneurs and and founders that we've, we've spoken with. It's just like people that take adversity and, you know, challenging moments. And, you know, I I also know from a lot of athletes, like when you get injured, it's a really challenging time for mental health. So to take Mm -hmm. that, that time, that pause and to turn it into a sort of like new venture that channels your energy into something, you know, for the greater good, I think that's, that's a really cool origin story, and uh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing the most potentially the most Canadian origin story we've heard on this <laughs> podcast so far.
2: Stay yeah, I there. appreciate up the two. question. That's yeah. good. It's still my goal one day. Hopefully, I can I can uh, get girls to body check in hockey. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. It's <laughs> amazing.
1: Um, I well, I've loved this chat, and um, it's just been a it's been a really cool thing diving into the the brand you've built the sort of community that you've built around it the mission and the vision here is something that sarah and i are are really excited about and we're so excited to watch you guys grow um i would love yes and hopefully
0: into the u.s too because yeah this is great
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's on my mind (laughs) yeah that would be that'll be so fun um We'd love to know where we can find you, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place and, um, you know, anything that you want to talk about in terms of developments or things coming up for the brand and for the company, feel free to sort of like plug anything, any projects, any exciting things, if you're hiring, whatever else you guys need um, (laughs) for our
2: listeners. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, you can find me on all my socials. I'm not too, too active on social media, but uh, I'm on Instagram at catpluff. Uh, at Bluff. And then all of our handles for social media for the business is at getonly.ca. So that's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and I guess one of the most exciting things kind of that we're, we're exploring is the uh, the federal government a couple of weeks ago announced the federal budget. And within that budget was an allocation of $25 million to help end period poverty in Canada. So a huge moment for period equity it's kind of been warming up over the last few years, but to have like the federal government actually, you know, recognize that this is an issue, it's an issue that one in three Canadians under 25 years old face. It's uh, very real and you wouldn't think so really in Canada, but uh, it's definitely an issue. So the fact that the government announced that is huge, huge, huge for awareness. Um, so we're actually kind of exploring this whole new revenue stream that we never really considered before and that's all these non-for-profits and charities Um, essentially they have they have funding now and they're looking for good quality period products to offer to their vulnerable communities so we're really excited to start becoming like a key stakeholder in these conversations and hopefully um, get some procurement opportunities to to supply our period products Um, obviously I'm biased but I think they're the best and they're they're great for relatively better for the environment than the traditional brands you can find at drugstores so um and we've been approached by quite a few of these um, non-for-profits so it's just really exciting to to see like how people are recognizing our mission and, and appreciating you know all the sustainable aspects of our company it's just really rewarding and, and the fact that we can help end period poverty in Canada with you know a a distribution agreement that we worked on for, for about five years uh, it's just really uh, really validating and really exciting and rewarding
1: yeah, that's incredible i'm I'm so proud of you guys in this journey and and just kind of the perseverance that we heard you talk about throughout this this whole this little podcast chat and um, I'm super excited to see where it goes i uh, it sounds like you guys have a lot of really exciting things on the horizon so we'll keep tabs and hopefully have a follow-up conversation and, and talk about the impact you've had in a, in a little while. And um, We really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. Yeah, so much. my pleasure. And thank you so much to
2: have me here. And it was an honor and a pleasure. <laughs> Amazing. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moss and Friends. As always, you can connect with us further at whoismoss.com or on Twitter and Instagram at whoismoss with underscores between the words. If you know anyone that would be the perfect Moss and Friends guest, or maybe a project you think we should hop in on, please reach out. We'll see you next time.